What is going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's Pardon the Disruption, starting kind of right on time. I am your host, Matthew <laughs> Potter, with four of the most well-educated in the investment space across the country that were available this Thursday. Um, I am your host, Matthew Potter. I am your short sale guy. I am your hedge fund connection. And in the event that you are looking for a investor-friendly brokerage, go ahead and give me a holler. Uh, I will go ahead and connect you up with, um, with our brokerage. So I'm going to go ahead and start out, for those that are tuning in for the first time, with how we do things around here. There are going to be six total questions. Five of those are predetermined. One comes from our audience. And they are, um, each one of our panelists is going to have 45 seconds to answer, and then we're going to chop it up for two minutes. Everybody will be awarded points, and those, at the end of the show, somebody is going to go ahead and win. We're going to start out with introducing our panelists. We're going to start off with Chris C.J. Jefferson. Go ahead and talk to us, boss. Chris Jefferson, Richmond VA, uh, Chargeship University, hands-off wholesaling. It's good to be back. Uh, Leon, it's good to see you doing well, my uh, excited for today, uh, as always, RJ. Um, yellow looks, you know, absolutely stunning on you, my guy. Uh, Eric, I like the collar shirt, man. You're looking super professional today. Not like where you come from. I like that on you as well. Uh, Potter, come on, man. You know the vibes, man. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Uh, Potter Disruption is back, man. Happy to be here. My guy, thank you, CJ. It's good to have you here. Next up. <laughs> Every everybody's favorite uh, guy down in Texas, R.J. Bates. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, R.J. Bates III from Titanium Investments. Uh, I am very curious how this judging is going to play out with that kiss ass uh, intro by uh, CJ there. Uh, if he wins today, we know what it's all about. My guy, Potter, you know the vibes. Like, what is this? All right, excited for today's show, and, and good to have you, Leon. Wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. All right. Yeah, RJ, hey, shout out to Miss Potter as well, man. Shout out to Miss Potter as well. Oh, oh there we go. Oh, Uh-oh. Are we going to go ahead? Mrs. Potter's recipes, I'm just signing off. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Bro, the focaccia last night was out of this world, not going to lie. It was. Focaccia, dude, you got to check it out. Um. All right. <laughs> Not quite. I think they have that most places. Next up, filling in for Steve. Filling in for Steve Train. Literally, we voted Steve off his own show. We were just like, nope, we're not going to have you here anymore. We got Leon G. Barnes. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, man, that is outstanding. Awesome, awesome. All right, last, certainly not least, back with us this week, we have Eric Brewer, the mayor of York, Pennsylvania. Go ahead and introduce yourself. First, I'd like to apologize to Leon on Matthew's behalf. No way you should introduce the guy and prelude it by he's only here because of Steve. It's just a horrible... <laughs> 
it's only it's just a horrible job of of giving the guy the credit he deserves. So you probably yeah. wouldn't recognize it. I'll apologize on your behalf. No need to say thank you. We can just power on. Um, secondly, uh, I'm happy to be here. I feel like I was gone for a while. I'm sure I'll regret that feeling in the next 55 or 60 minutes after spending that time with you guys. But I'm excited to dig in and see if we can't ruffle some feathers today. This panel will definitely ruffle some feathers, and that is what we're here for. We're going to go ahead and jump into it with question number one. I can't wait for you guys to answer this one. What is the dumbest real estate advice you've ever seen online? Start us off, CJ. Look, all of it. Uh, we don't have context. Uh, you know, here's the funny thing about the online business of influence and this era since COVID where everybody's posting reels, everybody's got a YouTube channel, everybody's doing this, everybody's doing that. Why is it so many people that aren't speaking to the actual audience that they may actually have? Nobody's digging deep into the insights to see who their audience is. It's hard when you've got people that are 40, 50, 60 years old that are speaking only from the place that they're at currently in their business after 10, 15, 30 years and not speaking to uh, the person in the wholesaling group that's just getting started that they're going and talking about all their successes in. So a lot of it's bullshit, that's my opinion. Uh, and that's what I'm standing on. Make sure you're in charge of that. <laughs> love, love the plug at the end, not even mad at it. Well, well done, CJ, and way to come in under 45 seconds. All right, RJ, what about you? Yeah, it's pretty easy to come in under 45 seconds when you don't give an answer. So appreciate that, CJ. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm going to go and with, off. uh, it doesn't take money to wholesale real estate. Um, uh, this is like the most common thing that gurus and influencers and educators out there say like, Hey, it doesn't take money. You can get into wholesaling. It absolutely costs money to have the systems. It costs money to generate leads. Yes. Are there ways to do it without utilizing a ton of funds? Sure but that is not a sustainable business. You can't actually create a wholesaling business without having operating capital. So I think that is the most misleading and dumbest thing that people put out there about real estate. And again, under 45 seconds. Uh-oh, uh-oh. We're, we're making up time here. All right, ne next up, Leon, what about you? Dumbest thing. Man, I started... Uh thinking about this question and I didn't have enough fingers and toes to count how many dumb ideas I see on the daily. Um, but that said, this is not unprecedented. Colleges and universities have done this for hundreds of years, stealing people's money and selling them on dreams that quite frankly are never going to come true and or that university could not get them to that, to that level because they're selling something that uh, quite frankly, isn't the best for that particular person. But, Specifically, I think that of all of them, the one that I struggle with the most is uh, gurus out there telling everyone that they need to switch. They have a successful business and maybe a single family asset. And all of a sudden, it's no longer sexy. It's something that in order to get rich and create wealth, in order to buy in singles, you got to buy home runs every single time with multifamily and commercial. You've got to make the switch. If you don't do it, you're dumb. That's the one that I struggle with the most here recently. Very good. Very good. Appreciate it, Leon. All right, Brewer, what about you? What you got? Uh, the top, near the top of the list would be the advice RJ just gave. Uh, so I had to line through my original answer. And actually his may be now at the top 
um, you actually don't need money. I do think there needs to be a disclaimer that if you run a larger organization, if you're going to do direct to seller marketing, you intend to pay yourself a salary, you're planning on quitting your W-2 job or your primary source of income, you do need money, but you can get started and you can make a sustainable amount of income without operating costs. Is that a business? No, but we're talking about general real estate advice. I think all of the three guys gave good answers and without context, which is the important thing Chris said, it's all bad. But I think there's really no bad advice given. There's the bad interpretation of it without context. Most of these guys got 30 seconds or 60 seconds in a reel to place an ad. I don't blame them for their marketing strategy. I think some of that responsibility has to get shifted to the consumer to not be a complete gullible fool. I'm glad to hear that Eric understands and comprehends enough my answer because it is all of it. If you go talk to real estate agents, guess what? They're going to tell you that the bad answer is wholesalers. If you go talk to title companies, guess what? They're going to tell you the bad answer. Like everybody, multifamily guys is going to say the exact opposite of Leon. They're going to say, oh, well, why would you stick around a single family and try to have 300 single family doors where you can just go acquire units? It's all of it with con like if you understand context, right? To RJ's point, Look, let's just be really clear, because this this is to my point about when people give information only from the place that they're currently at, not to the audience. Eric hit it on the head. We can't keep having a discussion acting like you can't get into wholesaling without any money. I've got tons of students man, that have got on a bus and caught a bus down to a city courthouse, pulled a probate list and made some money and changed their lives. Yeah, is that not a business? Sure. But some people just need to make an extra couple grand a month right now so they can survive. <clears throat> Is it possible? Yes. Should it be what you're utilizing to sell your education platform? No, because I can guarantee you there are more people that fail out of these platforms thinking they don't need any capital to become a wholesaler and they get into it and they realize, wait, it does cost money. I mean, people, CJ, don't, people don't fail because of, of money, RJ. They fail because of effort. That, that's yeah, just a fact. I mean, in, in anything, in anything. It's not about it's not about the specific resources only. It's 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 just about effort. Right. Because you can do a deal with no with with no resources. You can course. JV. I can JV on a deal in Florida with Leon and, and have not, no money in the deal. And I can create money out of it in a wholesale process. People do it all the time, every single day. It Absolutely. just comes down you, to effort that stops. You people. can do anything. I don't think that should be. We're talking about. What's the dumbest real estate advice? I think it is very common for us to utilize that as a sales tactic in an education platform saying you don't need any money to become a wholesaler. I think that is highly misleading. To Eric's point, could you do it just, and you said it too, to supplement your income, just to make a couple of thousand dollars more? Sure. But to become a wholesaler, to actually have a business, no, you need operating capital to run that business. All right. I don't Not want to make this hard. a me and RJ thing. I'm going to leave it here. I don't know if everybody lacks the awareness to understand that not everybody's trying to come in and build some big business. Wholesaling is an opportunity for people to create capital. Just It's just like wholesaling a car, man. It's, it's not, not any different than other industries. The, the reality just, is, is, is this whole dialogue kind of proves my point. RJ's advice is really, really good based on his perspective, the business that he runs, and the people that he's looking to influence and impact. CJ is speaking from a different perspective, looking to impact and influence a completely different set of people. This is the problem with advice. There has to be context. The real advice should be before you take any, 
there should almost be an indoctrination process that you have to go through to ensure that the person that you're following aligns with your goals, has some relevant experience being in the place that you're in, even if it was 10 years ago, right? Um, it, this proves my point exactly. RJ's advice is both extremely accurate and 100% misleading, if that's even possible. That's kind all of, of it, all yeah. of it without all of it without context. Correct. But but wouldn't we say that today, even though I know we're saying the dumbest with context included, wouldn't we say that this information, the amount of information that's available is better than not having it like 10 years ago, 15 years with ago? The proper, with 100%. the proper context. With the proper context. I mean, yeah. we're, 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 we're bad mouthing and we're saying, you know, potentially dumb, but there's a lot of great information that's out there. And there's more millionaires being created through real estate. I don't know the numbers off of that off the top of my head, but the amount of information that's available to become a millionaire with execution to CJ's point, it's, it's, it's the opportunities are endless. I told y'all I was going to enjoy that round. Um, I'm really glad that you guys uh, chopped that one up. That being said, CJ knows who the boss is. Thank you for giving the shout out to Mrs. Potter. You're going to go ahead and get to point that round. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Next up. This one I'm also super excited about. What are you most grateful for about living in the United States? Start us off, CJ. Uh, one thing my dad used to constantly tell me growing up, uh, constantly, he said, hey, son, look, this is America. You can do anything that you want. I'm not saying it's not going to be a little bit harder because you're black. I'm not saying it's going to be a little bit harder because of your circumstance or this, that, and the third. But you can literally do anything that is that you want. Just got to extend some effort. I think the most beautiful thing about the country personally is that you got freedom to fail. This country is literally set up for people to fail, learn and recover. If you if you do end up failing, which most of us do. Right. This this country is literally set up so people that can you can take failure, accept it. You can file bankruptcy and you're, you're back on your feet in seven years, a lot of times sooner. Right. So, you know, I think just the freedom to fail and to try to achieve whatever your version of the American dream is, is the coolest part about it. That's a very well thought out answer there, CJ. I, I see the island time definitely got the head right there. Yeah, Stop. Sometimes you got to take a little break, man. You know, dude, he's just hey, st I, steady glazing over here. Just get off my man. <laughs> so apparently it's going to be between three today. Brewer, thanks for your participation. I don't care. I'm, not, I'm, here, to leave, I'm here to leave a dent, not win your vote. If, if yeah. both happen, You're going to leave us something. All right, RJ. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to mirror what CJ said. I mean, it's the, the ability to go out and, and create your own reality. I mean, uh, the I, when I look back at what I've been able to do in my life, um, you know, thought college was going to be the thing, uh, you know, the, the government funded for me to go to college. And I said, no, this isn't the, the right thing for me. Went out, worked a job, quit that job, started multiple businesses. Some of them succeeded, some of them failed. Uh, but regardless, we were able to learn from it. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to speak on stages and in, in front of at this point, probably tens of thousands of people to talk about what has worked and what hasn't worked. I had the opportunity to be on national television. It's funny. One of the guys, uh, the day that we aired, said, who decided in all of America that this big, <laughs> fat, white guy with this beard is who we should put on national television? That's the great thing about where we live is that I had the opportunity to do that. 
and no one can ever take that away from me. And and that's what I love about living here. Shout out to TV. Way to go, RJ. We're glad to see you on it. All right, Leon, what about you? What, what's your answer? The freedom and opportunity to pursue happiness. To pursue happiness. Think about that. We get the opportunity. We wake up every single morning and we get to pursue what we think makes us happy at that moment or in the future, right? That's a hell of an opportunity that is given to us. Some take advantage of it differently. Like, you know, if happiness is like what it is for Steve to do five or 10 deals a year, if that's your happiness, you get the opportunity to wake up and have that happiness, right? Whether it's like RJ to do 50 deals for 50K, right? Thousand a deal. You get that opportunity. That's happiness to you, right? That opportunity to go out and, and make your way. Guys, we don't, I don't think we cherish that enough. There are a lot of countries out there that do not, you cannot get up and create an LLC tomorrow and start a business. Like RJ said, whether it fails or succeeds, you have that opportunity. And I think we don't take it. Uh, we take it for granted in this country because we don't know anything different. We Shout out it. to Leon there. Uh, just taking absolute shots right now. Yeah. I, I, love I, it. I don't appreciate you bringing up Justin's average assignment fee. <laughs> <laughs> chicken planky money uh <laughs> all right brewer what about you what are you grateful uh for about living in the u.s of a before i do that i just want to let you know i'm running a real-time fact checker on oh. rj similar to what they imposed on uh President Trump. <laughs> and the data has coming back that he did in fact speak in front of thousands of people but it was 2312 different events <laughs> 47 states and there are several of those that actually nobody was in attendance so yes he's spoken to 2200 people but he's been on 2300 stages and some of those uh, events were vacant um in the over a span of nine nine and a half years um, shout out to america man yeah um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I think someone said it earlier. I, I think we do, and I, I know that I do take it for granted, but I think one word for me would be freedom. And it, it resonates, I think, with these other three gentlemen said, but we can really come and go as we please. We can be as driven and, and as money hungry or entrepreneur as we like. And we also have the ability for some people to, to live a you know, minimalistic lifestyle. Um, we have freedom of religion, beliefs, um, travel. We can choose the highest level of education or the, the, the minimum standard if we decide. So I think just the true meaning of freedom and how I've been able to experience that's probably the most valuable thing for me. And during COVID, when that was interrupted, I think it elevated my appreciation of that. And um, I think I would fight tooth and nail to make sure that I never gave any of that up again. RJ, you make that move one more time, bro. I promise you. I know. You're never I'm like, what is this point. guy over here? I'm, bro, I was never asking gonna get a point team if I should make a joke about Mrs. Brewer or not, and they voted that <laughs> no, I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm just sounds keep like, it sounds like an overwhelming vote over there. I, I think we're all saying that, you know, an important message, right? Like, just the cool thing is, this is a place that whatever your goal, whatever your target is, if you're willing to extend some effort towards it, uh, look, I think we're all from different backgrounds. Leon, I think you shared with me, you were from a tough background. Uh, Eric, I think you said the same at one point. 
Uh, RJ, look, we can identify. He owns right, a country and, club, bro. Yeah, shout out to the country clubs. They got, they got some. <laughs> look, they got some country clubs that only charge a dollar for tea time too, bro. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I, what I will say is just the effort to be able to extend towards whatever it is that you're going for to create whatever your ideal life looks like for you. Uh, I mean, that's got to be pretty cool. That's it. We're gonna wrap this one up, guys. Enough said. God bless America. I, I mean, I'm. Uh, everybody's answer is great. Like that's the thing. That's the thing on this one. I mean, even in the chat, it's tied. So I think we're just gonna go ahead and do this round robin style, and I'm just gonna drop a point for everybody on that one because everybody was on point with it. Um. Next up, this one ought to be fun. According to a report by Zillow, 117 housing and economist experts expect house prices to rise by 3.5% annually. What do you think of their conclusions of housing prices rising 3.5% over the next three years? Start us off, CJ. I mean, I think we got a, a significant supply and demand issue. Uh, I, I think that this is entirely plausible. Um, you know, I, I think there was a period of time very early on where everybody was in shock and horror about this rise in the interest rate environment. And there, there was this perspective that somehow magically they would just, just drop to the levels that we saw, you know, 2010 to, to 2022 or 2021. Uh, I think people are going to start to settle in. I think people are going to start to get adjusted to what we're seeing. Um, you know, I made a post just this morning on Facebook uh, about that the cost of everything, goods and services have risen historically over time. The problem that's happening right now is people's incomes are not rising as they have historically. And so the fact of the matter is people just got to start figuring out how to make more money and supplement their income uh, or, or, you know, get better job placement in the workplace. Because uh, I think this is here to stay. And I think we got a supply demand issue is going to continue to push it up. Definitely. RJ. Go, go ahead, boss. Tough to follow, RJ. Tough to follow. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the thing that I don't like about these types of articles and these numbers is that it can be misleading to, to certain markets. Um, you know, we have done a significant amount of business in Hawaii over the past eight years, and Hawaii's market has appreciated anywhere from five to 10% a year annually for like the past 35 years. Um, Certain places in the United States, like the land of Jimmy Breland, never appreciates. It never changes. <laughs> They're always with $7,000, you know? Um, so it, it could be misleading when someone reads this and they think that over the course of the next three years, their house is going to increase in value by 3.5% because of a, a loose article written about the entire United States. Going back to CJ's point, I do agree uh, it is interesting that this comes out that there is such a supply and demand issue that it is going to continue to raise our prices as a whole um, with everything else that we have going on in the economy. Um, even with, if you go back just four or five months ago, all of the part of the disruption episodes were about interest rates and recession and everything like that. And now here we are, we're saying we're still going to push harder to, to increase these prices over the course of the next three years. Um we're kind of in unprecedented times. I'm, I'm curious to see when this eventually has to come back down. I'll let you run a little bit longer. Mainly, you know, Kip bought me off in the chat. Thanks for the <laughs> donation. We appreciate it. 
RJ dropping dropping some dime uh, some diamonds over here, some gems. All right, Leon, what about you? What are your thoughts on this article? Good points made by both. I think that my first thought, quite frankly, living in Tampa and having a business in Kansas, my first thought was, that's it? It seemed low to me. Uh, in markets like RJ's talking about, I lived in Hawaii for three years. I, I saw those prices uh, continually to, to go up. I see it in Tampa. I even see it in Wichita, my home market. Uh, it used to be 1% to 3%. Uh, on annualized, more towards the 1% that you would see appreciation. Uh, but it has continued to grow. My uh, median price point went from one, 150 to almost 200,000 in a three-year time frame. So my initial thought process is I can see it being higher unless, to CJ and RJ's point, inventory somehow, some way comes from nowhere, somewhere, I should say. You know, whether that's new construction, which cannot keep up, or the bottom falls out. And because interest rates were so low for so long, I don't anticipate seeing a flood of foreclosures that increases uh, the inventory in the marketplace. So I, quite frankly, in most markets, I could see it being higher. Very good counter argument there, Leon. I, I don't think anybody's really going to disagree with that one. All right, Brewer, what about you? Uh, you know, these things are, are funny and I don't know how they make their way into these weekly calls every day, but my grandfather used to say that predictions are like Mustangs and assholes. Everybody has one. <laughs> right? It's like, this is meaningless, right? Like six months ago, these same group of experts were predicting a crash and now here they are to Leon's point. I think they're probably conservative. Um, RJ has a point that if we see 39% appreciation in St. Louis and the values go up to $11,000 and you see 5% depreciation in Hawaii because it's just gotten out of control. You end up with like this weird average where the, the median house price in one market's a hundred and it's a million in another. It's just a, it's almost a worthless statistic that's put out there in an effort to probably influence someone's behavior. I, I don't know who they're targeting with this or why, um, but it really, there's nothing you can do with that data. If you're a homeowner and you're thinking about selling, this means nothing to you. If you're a buyer and you were thinking about buying, this really should have no impact on you. But I do believe when you looked at most markets, I agree that it seems conservative. Three and a half percent based on the massive deficiency in supply. And like there is no collapse without inventory. The only thing that can contribute to a collapse is an influx in inventory and it's just not out there. There is no inventory coming. And if it's new construction, it's five to seven years away at least. There, there is no crash. Three and a half percent is conservative. I think it's double digits. So here is my argument to that. For the first time ever. You don't have an asshole? <laughs> uh, for the first time ever, <laughs> regularly, when I'm on the phone with sellers, I am hearing them say, I know the value of my house has gone down due to what's happening. And that's in specific locations in the United States where specifically it's a, it's a shade of blue and, and people are wanting to move out of there. Those places, New York being one of them, certain places in New York, it's like, hey, everyone's moving out of here. We're moving to a different state. That's where the values are declining. So, yeah, Leon, to your point, maybe you're not seeing that in Kansas and in Florida, but what 
could be pushing Florida up is the wave of people coming from other places. Sure. And so that's where the counterbalance comes on this only being three and a half percent. But I think well, like, RJ, point, you and I live in a world we live in like a weekly like you assess values daily. Homeowners evaluate it probably on more of like a one to five year radius. And then we're always getting lag measures from them, right? Like there's guys in New York that are telling me that inventory is out of control, uh, meaning prices, I'm sorry, are out of control. We, we, right. we, we know a few people in, in, in New York. Um, so I think, again, it's, it's a very small sample size. That's the problem with, with these surveys and these experts is um, generally in most markets, even where it's went down, let's say in New York, it's on its way back up Phoenix, Arizona, right? I think a month ago or three weeks ago, Steve said, Hey, we got slaughtered 15, 20%, but now it's back up 12% or 15%. This survey said next three years. So we'll have some of these micro adjustments as rates. And, you know, we're going to have a election here soon. I'm sure that's one way or other is going to impact some of those economic factors, but over three years, it'll end up being I think north of three and a half to 5%, even in some of those more volatile markets. The, the reason that these studies are hard is because as you mentioned earlier, it's hard to blanket, you know, right? One state is so different than the other, one city is so different. But I, I think that the reason that both Eric and I may think it's conservative is because we are, like all of us on this panel are in this industry and we're looking at articles and, 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 and doing the business on a daily basis. and in groups with other people across the United States. So we have a really good pulse. And the reason I think it's conservative is because even if there is an influx of inventory, Wall Street is eating that inventory up. Like yeah, they're showing they're not willing before. to sell. Yeah, they're showing right? they're, they're not willing to sell. They want to keep buying. They're not going to sell. And if they do sell, they're selling to another fund, right? right? So they're selling tranches. They're not selling singles. They're selling home runs, right? Big, huge uh, tranches of properties, and I don't see those coming back to the marketplace unless a dra something drastic happens. And that's where the conservative side comes from us. This, to Eric's point earlier, it, it's an article that someone is using it to 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 to, to predict or, or change behaviors. And we just it, it makes for good conversation with us. But we know that we're in this. The average home seller is not selling these days. It's every seven years. I think it makes for good conversation, but I think it makes also for good education. And I think what RJ was, was trying to say, and I could be off base, but I, I believe this is what he was trying to say, which I agree with if it was, that this is more macro to market. All right. What, what, what tends to happen, and I think we're all kind of saying this with these studies, is this is the blanket, blanket uh, across America study. And different markets, if you're going to be an investor, we're all in different markets, right? So we need to look at those markets and analyze them market specific where your investment dollars are going I, I i wouldn't want to be somebody that sees this study and thinks it's conservative or bullish and then tries to go make investments based off this study. there's tons of data available for your local markets uh, whether you pull it yourself whether you go to a realtor get their mls reporting uh, and take a look at and review that but make sure you're looking at this very very market specific and seeing how it impacts you or your future business potter two notes one i i have to be in consideration for the point when four people say to Eric's point, like just pay attention. It happens all the time. Number two is I think inside of markets, there's price point fluctuation. I had a phone call today on a, I may be part of a, a, a $12 million development deal. And in, in this particular market, um, it's Boise, Idaho. And over 3 million is fine because it's a cash buyer. They weren't impacted by interest rates. 
and sub $500,000, which in that market is FHA, that market's still thriving. He said between 501 and a million five, slaughter. So not only is it market specific, it's market and, and dollar cost specific in each of those markets. It still goes back to the advice. Be careful what advice you take. There's always context. Two quick things, Potter. Number one, Eric's telling you to get a notepad, keep, keep track of things. Just a little simple suggestion there. Number two, Boise was one of the hardest hit. That's a great example. It was one of the hardest hit last year when the market shifted. But only above and in that certain price range. That, yeah. In that mid-luxury. Yep. All right. So a couple oh, things. Two quick things. Two quick things. <laughs> what, what is it? <laughs> All right. Man, you can't do the same. Yeah. <laughs> To, to Brewer's point, yes, absolutely everybody referenced you. But counter-argument, if you're taking Phoenix real estate advice from Steve and quoting percentages off of him, uh, we're going to need a better source. Go ahead and hit me up. Uh, I can go ahead and educate you on the actual percentages because it wasn't 10 to 15. It's like it's up like five from being down like 22. So we're still kind of moving upwards right now. That being said, I am going to give credit where credit's due. Brewer, you did come in swinging hot on that one. I am going to give you the point on that round. That being said, everybody had a great answer on that one. Don't RJ, I swear to God, if you start shaking your head like that, I'm done with it. See, have the right attitude like CJ. CJ's over there writing something down right now. He's like, Mrs. Potter's <laughs> making. <laughs> All right, next up. <laughs> like Meta releasing a Twitter rival app, Threads, if you're not on it, go ahead and download it, get on it. How would you react if your competitors started copying your business model as closely as possible? Start us off, Brewer. Um, I mean, I think it's a great indication that you're doing something right. I mean, there's a quote out there. I'll probably butcher it. Um, I would just tap Leon because he knows a ton of useless information. But like good artists create, great artists steal. And it's only a matter of time, whether you're in the social media, you know, niche, or if you're in real estate, if you're in education, no matter what it is, innovation only lasts so long before it gets copied. And then oftentimes it's not even the person that was the innovator. It's something, somebody that waited a little bit longer, came out a little bit later, but did a better job. Right. So I think Twitter functionality wise, I've never been a fan. Um, it's just never been, I'm very active on social media. And for some reason, I've never been able to, to, to stay active and relevant and, and, and use Twitter um, on a regular basis. So I think it's normal. You should be flattered. And, and hopefully what it'll do is push the people at Twitter or whoever they're emulating to continue to innovate and improve. And they should compete against themselves, not someone that copied them. Very good point. And for those that aren't friends with Brewer on Facebook, the guy posts 712 times a day. It's amazing. He's a machine. All right, CJ, what about you? Uh, I mean, they already do. Uh, I mean, I see people copy my ads. I see people copy hooks that I use in my ads. I see people duplicate the offers that I put out. Um, I think this is the real thing, though. And I, I get what Eric's saying, but I think this is, is really what it is. It's about who's playing an infinite or who's playing a finite game. Right. I'm playing an infinite game. Like when I'm coming up with things, I'm deciding what I want to do in my business. That's just me coming up with something. So if somebody's copying that and they're trying to copy and paste it, 
I think that's where people start to run into serious issues and, they, and they, they're not able to really grow far. I think when people look at things and allow different things that competitors or peers or people around them have going on that they can be influenced by and they can then take that influence and make decisions on how they want to be creative and how they want to create something uh, for themselves that fits their strengths and fits their weaknesses. Uh, I think that's how you would really do that. Uh, but yeah, I deal with this already all the time. Solid answer, CJ. Solid. All right, RJ, what about you? I think my initial reaction would be to kind of sit down with my team and then wonder why we were not the ones that were doing the copying of somebody else before someone was copying what we were doing. Um, going back to like the, the Oakland A's with Moneyball, um, every major league baseball team and, and really even outside of that, every sports team at this point now uses analytics to a massive degree on how they uh, sign people, draft, all of their scouting is done through analytics. And they were the ones that started that trend. Everyone copied it because it worked. Uh, you don't want to be left in the dust. So obviously you want to be the ones, if you see something working out there, you want to be the first ones that are copying it and perfecting it to, to Eric's point. The great artists are the ones that are the ones that copy. Um, so that would be my reaction. It'd be like, hey, why are we the ones that are being copied? We shouldn't worry about that. We should be always pushing the needle forward and finding something that we want to change about our business. Way to work in Moneyball. Like, not, not mad at that. Uh, that was well done. All right, Leon, what about you? Well, first off, Eric is right. If you need someone on your Trivial Pursuit uh, team, <laughs> you just hit me up. I'm your guy. Sports, any type of trivia, I got you, okay? Second, in regards to this question, <laughs> my answer is always be better. It's just be better. You know, whether it's our mastermind or my real estate business, you know, if somebody is copying it, you, it means you're doing something at a very high level. So there are no longer any secrets to anything that any of us do on this panel. None. The only difference is execution and innovation. That's it. You execute at a super high level and you always think, what could you be doing next that's better than the competition that's out there? And that goes back to what RJ just mentioned of getting together as a team. Eric's part of our leadership team at CG. Every Tuesday, what are we talking about, Eric? We're talking about what could we be doing that can serve our members at a higher level? And it's made us better. My five years with the Collective Genius, I have seen everyone has a mastermind these days. Everyone. Everyone's got something that they call a mastermind. Our community has continued to thrive and grow. It's the biggest it's ever been. Why? Because we had competition out there and it made us better. The answer is be better. Yeah, and, I, and that's why I say, is, are you playing an infinite or a finite game? All right, RJ, you got it quicker. It's, it's, are you playing an infinite or a finite game? If you're... Because I don't want us to confuse copying and influence. All right, you can't copy Steph Curry. Nobody can just clone themselves and be Steph Curry. But you can be influenced by the way that he played the game. You can be influenced by how, how Mike played the game. The great ones that become better, shout out to Kobe, all right? The great ones who become better, that's, that's from influence. You can't just copy somebody's characteristics. You can't copy every single – you can't copy somebody's swag. You can be influenced by it. And you can use that to build on and be more innovative, you know, create that, create that opportunity. But I don't think copying really gets anybody anywhere.
every day I try to I try to copy Eric's shoe swag. Man, that dude has like three hundred pair of sneakers. Man, right, you just got you just got to be the, influenced by it. You just got to be influenced. Bro, I, I, I'm trying to copy that. I can't copy that swag. But imagine being so desperate to being relevant that you sit down and you think I should copy Chris Jefferson. That's what what other <laughs> what Bro. what university could I come up with for my education? Just rip off a college like he did with the University of Miami. <laughs> I, I still you, can't wait you for ever, the freaking man. cease and desist letter. Yeah, RJ, thank you so much, bro. What tell him, man? Like, why would they? That's a phenomenal question. Why would RJ? They? Hey, you gotta be careful, man. Snitches get stitches, man. Be careful now. <laughs> it's behind his head every show. <laughs> We're just waiting for the cease and desist to show up over at the U. Um, great discussion on that round. I, I really do appreciate you guys saying this because this happens a lot in this industry. Um, I'm going to go ahead and award the point to CJ from the point of there. there is a difference between what you were talking about, Brewer, where it's, you know, imitation. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of like flattery in a way. We're talking about just straight up like, it jacked your shit and just ran down the road with it. And that's something that you do you do have to look at. So all right. Good job, CJ. Potter, should nope. we just leave and just let you and CJ do the show? Dude, I don't <laughs> I don't know why other, you can give each other virtual handies under the desk. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like reverse pistol grip with your you know. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Absolutely brutal. All right. Next up. Next up. What position or role in the real estate industry is massively underrated or gets less credit than it deserves? I think, it, I think it's good. I'm going first because if anybody says something <laughs> different, they're just clearly wrong. All right. It, it's, it's wholesaling. All right, wholesaling for whatever reason is this industry that people, you know, it's, a, it's two sides of the pendulum. On one side, you have professional investors, fix and flippers, multifamily owners, different people that they, they feel or see themselves as higher up on the totem pole, right? Because they have all these things happening, these different types of deals. Uh, but everybody needs deal sourcing, right? Uh, tremendous amount of people purchase from wholesalers. But then on the other side of the pendulum, you got wholesalers that are brand new starting out and don't even recognize that wholesaling is literally one of the highest margin businesses that you can be in. All right. They have some perspective that there is a totem pole and that they have to become a fix and flipper. They have to become uh, this multifamily owner. They have to become a developer. Uh, so I'd say wholesaling. Go ahead and vote. Potter. You might as well just give them the point that like, what are we just going to go through the motions and like, <laughs> Is there a mute button for Eric on here, guys? Can we just get that installed before next show? Thanks. All right, RJ, what about you? What's the most underrated uh, position in uh, the real estate industry? Uh, Literally the uh, most underrated position is the reverse pistol grip. (laughs) (laughs) Eric already gave it to me. (laughs) Winner. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. And the best part about this is, is my answer was already going to be to kiss your ass. <laughs> so guy, he eats shit for six months so he can barely make 
a three percent commission. I mean, clearly you guys are underrated. Tell them about the gates, man. Tell them about the yeah, I mean, you're That's out right. there fighting yeah. for people to stop them from foreclosure just to eat shit for six to nine months arguing with ba- banks and mortgage companies. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, RJ. I could have done without the first half of your answer. I'm just letting you know. I, I don't know if that's going to push the needle, but we'll see what we could do. What about you, Leon? I love both the answers, uh, especially the wholesaling piece of it, because um, I, I'm so sick of hearing people say, I don't want to be in a room with a bunch of wholesalers. Why? They understand how to find deals and close on them. What the, I mean, they, they figure out how to find someone to buy it, and they figure out how to get the deal at a discounted rate. So, um, But I did read this a little bit differently. Um, role or position. I'm thinking specifically as a team role or position. And so I just wanted to get this out here. I've said this many a times that if you are a wholesaler, a flipper, landlord, what have you, your lead manager is your most important position and or role on your team. Uh, and, and so I read this a little bit differently. Uh, and I do think it's the most underrated. It's the director of first impressions on every single team. And I think it's the one that gets underrated the most. That's an absolutely great point there, Leon. Um, what about you, Brewer? Uh, this might not be a super popular answer, but it actually references what seems like a, a counterintuitive question earlier, gurus and influencers. Um, I think you talk to anybody on this show, anybody that's uh, experienced any level of success, and at some point they were either intentionally or unintentionally influenced by someone else's accomplish- accomplishments right? And chose to take action. Nobody here did everything on their own. Someone taught them, whether that person was visible on Instagram or TikTok or social media, or they just had proximity to them because they grew up next to that that person or went to school with them. So I know we give a lot of criticism to gurus for lack of context, maybe bad advice, but the reality is, is that every person here at some point had a person that either got paid emotionally or paid financially to teach them something. And without those people in our lives, none of us would be where we are. Um, So I think, you know, as funny as it may seem, gurus and coaches are underrated. They get a bad rap. And all of us have benefited from those people at one point in our life. This is is why I said what I said earlier, is that we talked about the bad of social, um, but there is a lot of good. And I'll give props where props are due. I have seen, personally seen, the amount of money that the Brewer Method has made uh, members of our community and outside of our community across the United States. No different with Steve and his training, RJ, Chris, everybody on this, uh, on this panel is either a coach or within a community like CG that is helping investors. And I think it's, it's, it's so, such an underrated piece. There's so many of them out there but there's a lot of good that comes from that influence. Leon, if you could do me a favor to help Potter out, just make sure you say to Eric's point first before you agree and completely support what I, it's just, he's taking it, taking track. So I I want to go back to I get it. I want to go back to what CJ said about wholesalers. I mean, I agree with that as well. I was going to say that until that was his answer. And then that's when I went with the short sell brown nose answer. Um, but appreciate you, RJ. Yeah, well played. Well played. Uh, 
you know, on the uh, the wholesaler route, you know, last Thursday, right after, pardon the disruption, the first call I got on was with a realtor in Michigan who was calling me in, I guess, representing a seller who is facing terrible financial struggles, houses physically stressed to the point where it's close to being a teardown. And he was yelling and screaming at me because I was a wholesaler. And he has been unable to move this house for months for these sellers. And I'm telling him, I have the tools and the systems and the resources to get this house sold for these people. Let me do this. Don't get in the way. And I think that is one of the things. So like Leon's point, not to eat, not to Eric's, only to CJ's and Leon's points. <laughs> nice. um, we, we know how to get deals. We know how to connect it to the right person who needs to come in and finish that job. And I think that is highly underrated in this industry because people want to give wholesaling a bad name for the small amount of people that don't know how to do it the right way. Where did you I can't learn tell you how many times skills? I've defended? Sorry, go ahead. Where'd you learn those skills, RJ? How to get that deal done? So I paid $65,000 for that guru that you're uh, giving the reverse gun grip job to right now. <laughs> um, uh, and they taught me to go get deals off the MLS and listed on Craigslist. Through time, yeah, you're right. I mean, there are people that have put enough content out there that I learned how to do things the right way. And uh, yeah, I think we're obviously influenced through social media by people that do it the right way. And uh, before that, and before social media, you were influenced by the Ron Legrands that were doing things on overnight television, right? Who, uh, I've, Ron's, uh, you know, somebody that's been in our community and, you know, was is an OG um, that has made tons of millionaires and tons of gurus that have helped others make millions. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've defended wholesalers in regards to conversations about joining our community. Uh, yes. Do a lot of people within our group uh, wholesale? Of course. People like active income. It's a great source of active income to to springboard into new platforms, right? It's, it's short-sighted um, to just dismiss and be dismissive of, short, of wholesalers. And typically what it boils down to is jealousy, quite frankly. Yeah. People don't like to see the money that uh, wholesalers make. Shout out to Titanium Investments on that. By the way, all right, nice little wholesale fee over there. Got sent over yeah. there, uh, but that's just the, that's just the unfortunate piece of it. Wholesalers get shitted on uh, on each, and, and it creates this again this perspective that wholesalers there's some invisible totem pole that they are required to climb to be successful that doesn't exist. I see a wholesale business more so as a cash machine that can be used and leveraged to invest in whatever it is that you want to invest in, real estate or not. Uh, and I think it's a great opportunity for that. And has extremely high margins. Hey, you can hate on them if you don't want your own ATM in your own office, right? It's an ATM for you. 100%. That was a great round. There's a clear-cut winner, as we all know. Um, Shout-out to my guy, RJ Bates, with the win. Um, just because, uh, look, I, I'm not going to disagree, though. The wholesalers do absolutely get shit on. Um, other acceptable <clears throat> answers would have been transaction coordinator or Eric Brewer's assistant. Those are the hardest ones that are out there. <laughs> Shout out to Lauren. She's amazing. She's the reason that it actually runs over there. Uh, all right. Next up. 
what are the financial metrics and key performance indicators that entrepreneurs should be tracking in their real estate ventures? Start us off, RJ. Well, I'm going to go with the, the KPIs that I'm currently tracking during our 50-day our challenge right now. And that's we're divvying it up by the lead sources of which the leads are coming in, uh, the percent of contracts that are signed, that are sent out, how many of those actually get assigned in comparison to terminated, and then what is our average profit per deal per lead source. Um, it, it really kind of breaks down exactly where we're making money and where we're not. Um, especially in comparison to the average cost per contract and average cost per closed deal. Um, one of the things that's really stood out to me is, is just the, the glaring difference between uh, how much more money we make on inbound marketing in comparison to our outbound marketing. And um, it's, it's, it really opened up my eyes, especially considering the fact that that's me solely sitting in that acquisition seat. So I think that's something that everybody should be tracking, especially wholesalers. Well thought out answer there, RJ. We appreciate you coming in strong. All right, Leon, what about you? I think this varies a little bit by the type of real estate that you're doing, but I'm going to give two different ones because this is by far, if I had to rank the top five things that within our community or people that are joining our community want help with because they want to see others, what others are doing, it's KPIs both from a, a marketing standpoint, as well as financial. I watched this amazing presentation, actually seen it now twice from Marcus Krigler. If you don't know him, look him up. CFO and C, uh, CPA only for real estate investors. He did this presentation called the top 10 things that his most successful real estate investors do. And the core four is what he calls it on the financial side. I'm gonna read from this list, marketing to conversion cycle cost of goods sold, payroll, and cost of capital. Those are your core four profit drivers. From a profitability standpoint, focus on those. Easy, four, done. From the marketing standpoint, that is something that fluctuates. You know, prior to April of 2022, um, prior to that, your KPIs may have been different, but usually it boils down to lead to appointment, appointment to contract, contract to close, cost per contract, and then the most important is average profit per deal. That's it. Hey, Potter, real quick. Eric, My man hit the buzzer week. as soon as he was done. He, he had 90 seconds and you hit the buzzer when he's <laughs> yeah. done? Real quick, Potter. Last week, all I did was quote Ryan Pineda and you gave me negative points. So isn't Leon <laughs> automatically disqualified for just quoting someone else? As his answer, the professional, uh, <laughs> not just an influencer. Yeah, you're he, supposed to be the professional on this show, Leon, not someone else. You don't just get to read but, books but as it, your answer. It, I don't know, man. It's a well, it's a well thought out. Uh, you know, it's a well thought out answer. There, we're gonna we're gonna see if Brewer decides to participate at a high level. And then, of actually, course, you know, Matt, CJ. Matt, I actually cite my sources versus I see just that. stealing, just stealing. Yeah. There's a dude, there's a bibliography page that comes over in the chat. Like it's beautiful. All right, Brewer, what about you? Um, I'm gonna give you like a the, the real answer should be go read the book Four Disciplines of Execution. Um, at the end of the day, they're gonna tell you exactly how to set set up a compelling 
dashboard with KPIs relevant to your business. Here's a hack. The only KPI that really matters is net profit. And then what you should do is reverse engineer from net profit each of the things that have to occur in your business model in order to get to net profit, right? So that would be you have to have a closing right before net profit, right? Well, what has to happen before you have a closing? You have to have a property assigned if you're a wholesaler. In order to be able to assign a property, you have to have a property under contract with the seller to be able to do that, right? You'll work your way all the way up to net leads. So at the very top should be net leads. Net leads means as somebody that's willing and able to sell a property in an area you're willing to buy in. Then you should track how many of those people you make contact with the same day or answer live to quality conversation, which for us lasts more than 10 minutes and results in an appointment or an offer. And then your closing percentage all the way down to net profit. So from a wholesaling perspective, direct to seller, that's top to bottom what your KPI should be. But the one that matters the most is net profit. All these people that post, I got 37 contracts yesterday. I'm doing 50 closings in 15 minutes. All of that stuff doesn't matter if it doesn't get to net profit and work your way backwards by, by net profit. Like 10 minutes, I've already got it signed and sold. Jesus Christ. What are y'all doing on the phones over there? All right, next up, CJ, what about you? I mean, look, I, I had to take a swig of water and pop an Adderall uh, to keep up with uh, all these KPIs these gentlemen are, are, are talking about. Look, I think KPIs matter based on your individual business and what you've got going on in that business. We could sit here and talk about this forever. There's so many variables included in that team members, market, exit strategies, whatever. Here's the actual North Star that if you want to be an entrepreneur, I've been in business 13 years. And if you want to be an investor or an entrepreneur for a long time, no matter what business you're in, here's the KPI. It's called time value of money. And it's quite literally that simple. You should be guiding yourself and your business and how you're making a decision, how you're managing and looking at any of your other KPIs that are business specific based solely on where are you at when it comes to time value of money? Are you doing things inside your business to exit yourself out of your business and eventually work your way to a point where you've developed a team that's able to run your business and run it efficiently, where you can have layers of management and reporting and you can manage and run that business? Uh, that is the answer. That is the KPI. And that's that's what we all should be guiding ourselves with, whatever that means for you. Next week, all I'm going to do is quote Jocko Wayling. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to go ahead and quote Jocko, just like Leon. And hey. Eric, I'm serious. What do y'all do? You you actually want your guys to be on the phone a minimum of 10 minutes? Dude, so yeah, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> for CJ, stay for can't predict income. He actually doesn't know what the hell a KPI is. He literally just talked in circles for 15 minutes about time value. That's the opposite yeah, Potter, of you know what would be a dope result. contest? Potter, the you know net what result you know what of KPIs is time value money. It's the we worst do, explanation we I've ever a heard. Show KPI. We should do a show KPI. Not on total revenue, but we should do a show KPI on highest business, highest business with margin here in the group. I think that'd be Ooh. an interesting, interesting question. So, I, I gave and I think and I think and I think for sure that I would win. I, I left it. I gave the long-winded answer to get to this in this summary. Eric, how do what do we track? When we boil everything down to what's the number one metric that we track? You and I. 
when we're talking about money, money in my pocket. where is it going? In net, net in the pocket. That's what it boils down to. Net, net in the pocket. I'm going to start a podcast called Net, Net in the Pocket because that's what matters. This can't be the – I mean, I, I love the answer. That can't be the only thing that you track, though, because otherwise no. you don't know how you're getting there or not getting there. No, I – That's the point I, I'm of KPI. Saying that, I'm, I'm saying that. In, I gave the long answer of what you should be tracking, but hmm? one that matters the most, which unfortunately most people don't pay attention to. They'll tell you about how many deals they did. They'll tell you about all these things. How much did you make? How much did you actually net? Because there's people that are doing hundreds and hundreds of deals that are netting less than people doing. Yeah, I, 20, I hear you, Leon. 30. That's not a KPI though. That's the result. That's that's the end. What what did we how did we do? The KPIs build the story, it builds the bridge to say this is how we got there or we didn't get there. That's why you track them. You can't but just say I just want. It, sound, it sounds like you gentlemen need to, to Matt, get the KPI Matt, inserted as time value of money mark and, and take some time off, Eric. like go to Hawaii. I'm going to defend Eric here. What did Eric say? Eric said you start with the end result and you're back your way into getting that net result. Right. right? You, start you start with there. the result and then you look at all of your KPIs to see how you got there. The hey, question hey, was Potter, about KPIs. Potter, Potter, do you remember the yep. first question today? Um. Well, did you read? No, you reading that but I got it right here. Yeah, read that. What's, <laughs> shit. What's the dumbest real estate advice you've seen online? <laughs> Do you remember what my response was to that question? All of it, based on context, right? Context, uh, guys, gentlemen, gentlemen. It's Webby Day. I'm fresh off of Y. You see the tan. You see the mango butter glistening. This is why I'm winning today. All right. This is why I'm winning today. This is why I'm winning today. Because the KPI is time value of money. All real estate guidance and information is bad if you don't have proper context. I could tie every question in, but I don't want to do that to you because, Potter, I got to get out of here at some point. I don't want to take up everybody's time. Much love. Potter, can you go ahead and give me the point on this since no one else actually gave an answer? Time. So someone give me the third grade definition of time value of money. Like, Potter. I mean, uh, Eric, Eric, exactly. Eric, hold on, Eric, I got you. I got you. I'll help you out. Uh, how many times did y'all say that Eric posted a day on Facebook? Somebody answer that again. Was 718. It 71 or 72? 718. Yeah. So 718 times. Eric, you know what I've gathered from watching your post on Facebook, which I love, by the way. I always hit the love button. So, I see so do I, no lie. I'm like, man, I wonder what his time value of money is. This guy's working a fuck ton. He's traveling a fuck ton. KPI, North Star, and any entrepreneur's business should always be time value of money and what that looks like for you, period. That's still Ooh. not an answer. Not that at was, all. It's, it's not. That was just words. It could be as simple as a KPI. some dressing on it. It was a word salad. It, it could be a KPI <laughs> that you guys don't understand. I I'm it. making a I real map with I'm a fucking salad over your face. <laughs> <laughs> Potter, I'm so empathetic at the moment. I really, truly am. Uh, I hope that it's a KPI that you guys figure out. It'd be a good topic, I think, in CG for sure, because it's really important. All right. Uh, much love to everybody. It's been a phenomenal show. We got an audience question, I think, too. That, 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 that was that the last was. one right there. That was it. That was. That, that was, that a was it. I mean, these were great questions today. Was this Leon or ChatGBT? ChatGBT. 
same Ooh. thing. Well, I appreciate <laughs> I, I appreciate you giving you, me that. But I'll Leon, you see, I put you in that category, bro. I, got I appreciate it. Yeah. Every every time Leon does questions for the show, though, like let's be honest, it elevates it like at least five levels. Like it does. I did. RJ, I, I RJ's over here. Like, week. would you rather be a pirate or wipe your ass with a pine cone? Those are those are RJ's <laughs> questions. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> By the way, RJ would like to do both. He wants to dress up <laughs> as a pirate and have someone penetrate him with a pine cone. Oh Jesus. my god! Holy I'm shit! I'm out. Okay. On that note, for that for that round, shout out to Steve Train, man. Shout out to Steve Train. <laughs> Respectfully. <laughs> That <clears throat> that round, just because he did break it down in his initial one, I'm going to give the point to Leon. Congratulations, my friend. It is good to see you back. We are happy to have you here, as always. That being said, overall, for the win today, we have Chris Jefferson, a.k.a. Mango Butter. You know the vibes. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Everybody, we loved having you here, as always, for Pardon the Disruption. It was a fun show today. Clearly, it was one of the classiest shows that we've had in a long time. Uh, we can attribute that to um, Steve in his quarterly meeting. I'm gonna go ahead and give. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give everybody the opportunity to say bye. Thank you as always, CJ. Start us off, champ. Uh, look, great show today. Phenomenal questions. Uh, much love to all you gentlemen. Uh, look, I, I know it's tough when I get a win. All right, uh, stay charged up. Keep the energy present. All right, it's always a pleasure. I wouldn't want to argue and be right with any other gentleman other than you guys uh, every single week, and and occasionally Potter, occasionally. Jimmy V. All right. Occasionally. All right. Uh, but much love to everybody. Shout out to Steve. He's not paying attention to his meeting. Uh, Seven <laughs> o'clock tonight, Eastern time. Startflippingdeals.com. We got a webby. We got over 4,000 people signed up for tonight. It's going to be awesome. I'll see you there. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you as always. Okay. RJ, go ahead and say bye to the people. Yeah, really. I just want to leave everybody with the thought of if you drink, half of a five-hour energy would you get five hours of half-assed energy or two and a half hours of full energy think about that we'll see y'all next week yeah, wow. that's gonna be question six next week you guys wow now i know why the answers were so bad he's been thinking about that for a week <laughs> all right leon say bye to the people Leon G. Barnes, everyone, with the Collective Genius. Uh, I first want to say that uh, it's always a pleasure to join you, uh, to be a part of this show. I laugh, I have fun, uh, sometimes cry. It's, a, it's an amazing experience, and I'm really happy for CJ's experience because when you can upgrade from cocoa butter to mango butter. Come on, man. Leon, I know what he's talking have, about, man. You have made it. Leon, I'm from, that's, Leon. That, you have made it at a high level. Yes, man, look, I used to get the cocoa butter for the skin. I'm, talk, I'm talking to I'm talking to my guy because it has to be pure. It has to be 100% organic and natural. You know what he says to me, Leon? He says, hey, he says, man, I see how you're moving around. I follow you on social media. He said, you're on camera a lot. He said, look, let me, let me give you what you really need now. You need some mango butter. And you see it. You see it. Congrats on the success, my thank man. Thank you, brother. Thanks I, to everyone for the thoughts and prayers last week. I'm up, Adam. I'm good. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to be on the show in the future. Awesome. Thank you, Leon. Last, certainly not least, Brewer. Say bye to the people. Yeah, today was fun. Um, shout out to whoever did the questions. Um, I thought they did a good job today of, of having thought-provoking questions. And honestly, the more 
um, spirited dialogue we can have with disagreement, I think, um, at the end of the show provides the best experience for us and also the people who are listening. The last thing we want to do is just give people singular opinions with no context and only one perspective. Um, I love the, the dialogue. I love being challenged and, um, you know, having people push back on what I believe. It's honestly what makes us um, improve each and every day so people can't copy us. And in the words of CJ, um, find your true time value of money. Um, <laughs> whatever the hell that means, just, you know, that and a two and a half hour energy drink and you'll just be uh, breaking necks and You'll be better. Shit. You'll be better. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Shout, shout out to Steve in the chat right now. He's going to be coming with the mango butter next week to win it as well. So we yeah. got that going on. We're excited. We're excited to see Steve, uh, you know, glistened up, especially Eric over there. I could see how happy he is. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. As always, have a good time. What's with the sonar?